Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, there's a reason that the promises a couple makes to each other on their wedding day are called vows. They are the deeply serious promises that are the foundation for the trust the marriage needs to succeed. And the truth is that no one really understands what it is they're promising. And because of this, it's easier and often without bad intent to break less important promises that we make to each other. But if you break too many promises, the relationship becomes vulnerable and less steady. So to talk about how this happens, and better yet, to understand how to stop it, I'm joined by clinical psychologist and fellow marriage counselor, Dr. Randy Gunther. So Randy, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about this stuff that happens all the time that we don't realize is damaging. Right. And thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So part of what what got me was like you wrote an article for Psychology Today, which I read religiously and everybody should, called When Promises Become Lies. And you point out that trust isn't a guarantee but must be earned on a continuing basis. And I think we kind of know this on, you know, kind of intuitively, but there's actually real reasons for this. Why is this a truth? That, that over time, people don't keep promises, that they keep at the beginning or plan at the beginning. Oh, probably the most core reason is that people get used to each other and they let things slip because things mm-hmm. aren't that important or don't seem that important because so many other things about the relationship are important. You know, most relationships start what, what I would call proportional. They're pretty good, like 90%. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of leave the other 10% along the side and we don't pay any attention to it. But it's really important at the beginning of every relationship to know that within that 10% could be potential deal breakers. Right. And, and lies or excuses or promising things and then not coming through over a long period of time can have two things, two reasons that they can end up hurting a relationship. The first, of course, is that if the lie is really serious and people keep that in a place where they don't tell the other person. They pretend to say one thing, but they don't tell the person the complete truth, or they tell them an alternative truth, or they tell them a diverted truth. Those mm-hmm. are the things that once once found out, the humiliation of something that's existed over a long period of time that you've not been part of can break a relationship. But mostly that's not what happens to people. Mm-hmm. It's, the little things, yeah, it's the little things that people sort of say and people get used to. and they, Most of the promises they, they, they meet and then these other ones they don't. And then over a period of time, they can rankle if it's in an area that really, really, really bothers the other person, which can, of course, come from childhood stuff. You know, you had a mom or dad who promised and never showed up at a game. <laughs> yeah, but initially, <laughs> I'll be there, but no, I'm, they never there, you know, right. You mm-hmm. never know. And, and, you know, so people can, can mostly have good intent. I mean, I mean, they mostly don't want to hurt the other person. They don't think about it in advance. Maybe they even minimize it in their own heads. Well, it's more important to the other partner. But over time, these little tiny things, they sort of build up. It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. And then at some point in time, when something's really important, that person will, will do the very same thing that's always been okay. And it's like it breaks. 
something breaks. And I can always tell because when I'm with new couples, and for instance, there'll be a wife or a husband who's always 10, 15 minutes late. They'll mm-hmm. tell me that with sort of a sweetness. Oh, you know, she's adorable, but don't expect her to be on time. Or, you know, or I'll tell him, you know, always a half an hour, you know, earlier than I think, and that way we'll end up there at the same time. And you can hear a kind of a softness. Like, I know they're not telling right. me the truth, but it's okay. But then sometimes people will come in and say, you know, don't expect him to be on time. He's going to be late. He doesn't care about other people. He only runs on his own schedule. And you know that that particular excuse is well-worn. You can tell that right. it's moving into that area where it's like, this isn't going to work for very much longer. So things that even if you start at the beginning with really good intent and not meaning to disappoint your partner or, or being certain that you're going to be forgiven because other things in the relationship are wonderful, you can mm-hmm. start feeling when those things start to not get better real quickly. Or a well, person will bring them up more often. Like, you know, I'm getting kind of sick of this. You know, if you're going to tell me the truth, tell me the truth. Don't let me depend on you. Right? But so... But but this is all about and and this is all goes to the heart of the whole trust Absolutely. issue, Absolutely. and you know, and so one of the things that I hear a lot and it kind of raises the you know, raises my hackles when I yeah. hear about it, and you know th- this whole concept of unconditional love that it's like well I can say or do anything and you're supposed to love me unconditionally and so I'm not really harming you by not keeping my word but that's that's kind of a real dangerous road to go down and I think that has something somehow for me this is kind of tying into something that this this thing you're talking about that we just stop really kind of thinking about the impact of what we're actually doing with our partners well not only that but i can many times in all these four decades sitting in my office more often than not people talk at each other not to each other because they were talking to each other they would be in the other person's body mind spirit and soul experiencing what they were saying from the other person's point of view as they were saying it Mm -hmm. very very rarely do you see people do that like you know can you look at the other person and tell me what you think they are thinking right now as you are saying that and is that in line with what you want them to feel mostly absolutely they don't even think about it one of the things you're referring to which is so crucial first of all i don't agree with unconditional love so i don't either but that's a whole other other show what you're talking about is, is fantasy trust you know, fantasy trust mm-hmm. is that, you know, this person is going to be the person I want them to be because they promise and that's who I want them to be and I'm not going to pay attention to anything other than they, than who they say they're going to be because I've got a fantasy of who this person promised they would be for me. That is very or who different. I think Or who yeah. I think they promised because sometimes we that's not even a true statement, you know, that, that I have no idea what you think I'm supposed to be, but you've created this whole thing in your head. Like, yeah, and, and then I'm not living up to it, and then you're really angry. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, I didn't I know even know I was supposed to do it. And unless a person, you know, converts to some kind of new ideology or inherits, you know, the lottery or in some way is in really good, effective therapy, you can pretty much predict their behavior by who they have been. Right. Not who they promise or what they intend <laughs> or what they wish, but what they've always done. And a lot of people don't want to do that. You know, that's the core of what we call sanity or neurosis, expecting the improbable. But mm-hmm. people will hold on to that expectation and sometimes even that entitlement, even though the other person is relatively never living up to it. Because they right. want to believe that that person is going to eventually change or eventually going to be better. And they keep paying attention to every single exception 
holding mm-hmm. on to that expectation until finally, as I said, it's like you look and you think, wait a minute, that's never happened. Why would I well, continue and that's, to expect that? Why would well, I and that's part to, of it. Yeah. yeah. It's you're, a, you're going it's, to this self-delusional state where you really either think that you're going to keep a promise or you really do believe that this person out of intent will keep that promise no matter what. And, you know, one of the, one of the things they did to us in grammar school, which I think is an insult, is they gave us, they gave us grades for, for, for trying. And right. when you grow up, nobody cares how hard you try. I mean, that only goes for just a certain amount of time. People are what they do. They are what they do, not what they intend or wish or promise, but what they actually end up doing. And that's what you can predict in a person is what they have done. Unless, again, like I say in my article, you really look at each other and say, let's let's make sure that our contracts are clear. Let me make sure that I hear what you really can do, want to do, are able to do. Not in, not just in some you know superfluous or superficial way that we sort of say yeah sure, but we never right. even think about it, and we also well, don't think about whether it's important to the other person. A promise. Well, and that's one of the things. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to, to talk about because you actually talk about six common reasons that people give for breaking their commitments to each other. And the first one you call about unclear agreements. And and that's kind of what we're a little bit what we're talking about of these expectations and these, um, uh, you know, this unrealistic behavior. But it's also unclear agreements that, you know, I will talk with people and, you know, they'll say, well, but they said that they would do it. And I said, well, actually, they may have said they were going to do it, but they didn't. So either you know. So what is it that you agreed to? Because person A will say, "Well, I agreed to do this," and person B will say, "Well, no, you agreed to do that." And it's like, exactly. "Whoa, exactly. were you guys were you guys in the same conversation?" You know. <laughs> well, do you know that there are forty-two meanings for the word upset in a thesaurus? <laughs> so if somebody says, "I'm upset," you say, "Oh, I'm so sorry." It's like you have absolutely no idea what that person just said to you. Right. So you're absolutely right that people do not. They don't. They don't inquire. They make judgments or evaluations before they get more data. And that's happening more and more and more, unfortunately, today because people are so in a hurry. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and there was at one point in time when... when or I they're thought, doing it by text. <laughs> or, or by text or, or not in real time. Or even if they're right. I mean, you know, they're really... You, you have to understand that when you're in somebody's presence, we have something called an aura, which is not woo-woo. It's actually scientifically measured. It's a sort of energy field that comes off another human being. And when you make yourself you know, susceptible to it, you can feel in your gut that what that person is saying mm-hmm. may, is just simply not congruent. I mean, words are, 90, are about 10, 10% of the communication of feeling, emotion, and affect. So right. facial expression, body language, voice intonation, rhythm, touch, all those things are over 90% of communication to people. So when people are texting, I mean, forget it. The oh, I know. It's, it's dangerous. It's enormous. And then you add that texting to not even being at the same time. You may send a message of distress that two hours later you don't feel anymore, and the other person is now newly responding to a distress that no longer exists. So if we, well, add and I want that, to if we add all that complication to unclear agreements, coming back to our point, mm-hmm. that agreement mm-hmm. may even been somewhat clear at the time, but other variables have now added into it, and now that agreement is muddled but no longer renegotiated. Well, that reminds me about, you know, because my daughter used to get really mad at me. At, and what because, at what age? Well, probably, she's probably eight or eight or nine or ten when, you know, and, and it's why I, I would stop 
making promises because mm-hmm. she would say, you know, she would ask me, well, can we do this? And I would say, yes, we can. Well, then, of course, something would something would crop up, sure. you know. Uh, sure. I mean, and, and I'm not, and I'm talking about something something real, like you know, like. Um, her grandmother got sick, or you know, I mean, something or the, or that you could not. <laughs> right, I mean, something that you couldn't predict, and then she'd get really mad yeah. at me because, and it's like because she didn't understand. So I just got into the to the point of saying, well, yes, that would be a great thing to do. Let's see if let's see if we can make it happen, sure. as opposed to saying yes because she would get really disappointed. But I think that's one of the things when you know people say this and but then again it's going to the to the thing about well somebody's late and and always late and and understanding that you know I say well I'm going to be there and if it keeps happening then okay you're not really dealing with the situation it's not a one off like your grandmother got sick this is something that happens consistently and, you know, one of and so we need to be talking about that it that person late everywhere to everybody right or are they just yeah don't take it personally you. you know well mm-hmm. if they're just late with you then it's like whoa what is that about is that an avoidance right. is that you know well, and other that priorities up- that are more important but if they're late across the board one of, one of my pet peeves is when people say well they just are disrespecting you more often than more often than not people are late because they have a tremendous amount of inertia which means they cannot let go of whatever they're doing. Or, or they're like else. me. They think they, they think they can get in one more thing, and which is <laughs> I'm, I'm very bad. I'm very bad with my time. Right. But and number, they, go ahead. But number two, you know, and because uh, is about being passive aggressive, and I almost was talking about this when I was talking about unclear agreements, because one of the things that I see all the time, and I go by results. Okay. So if somebody says, "Well, my partner said they would do this." And I said, I understand that they actually said those words, but by the fact that they didn't do it, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they didn't really agree. Absolutely. And that's that passive-aggressive kind of thing. Well, passive-aggressive behavior, and you can always tell if somebody comes in your office and is really crazy, they could be married (laughs) to a passive-aggressive person because Mm -hmm. they are always paying attention, again, as I said earlier, to what that person wishes, intends, promises, Mm -hmm. from their hearts and or are just trying to get away with something, whatever that long, extended list of excuses are. You, mm-hmm. When you're married to somebody who promises and doesn't come through, you must, as I said a little earlier, pay attention to what that person does. Because that, mm-hmm. what they do is what you can predict, not what they tell well, And what they, yes, and, and words are easy. It's easy to say something, but pay attention to what they're doing. I think it's that Maya Angelou quote that I love so much, that when people tell you who they are, believe them, and they're going to tell you who they are by their actions. By what they do, absolutely. So, and the third one is a little bit um, self-delusion. We're, I think we've been talking about this mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it's that people really want to be somebody they're not. You know, they mm-hmm. truly, truly, in all their heart and soul, want to be more what their partner, who their partner wants them to be, but really can't, won't, don't know how, and so they keep deluding themselves that if they just try harder, if they just do this, if they just do that, they will in fact meet their partner's expectations. And so they, every single time something happens, they they essentially make excuses to themselves. Well, this happened and that happened and this happened. I really can't do that. They're terrified that if the person knew who they really are, they feel a sense of impostorship, that person wouldn't want to be with them anymore. And so they well, keep, you know, I'll figure this out somehow. I'll make it happen somehow. 
you know, and eventually I'll be better. But well, they're deluding themselves that, because that's not a priority. That's not truly a priority. But they're they're really terrified to look at that because then, then they're well sold and their beyond it, being honest about it. Yeah. Well, they sold their partner a bill of goods that's not going to buy. They're not going to buy. Well, and this is one of those things where, you know, people who are trying, yeah, it's like in the beginning of the relationship where they want, I mean, I always tell people, um, perky or bubbly are not, are not any adjectives that will ever be used to describe me. Except for maybe champagne. Champagne is Well, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of champagne. But but for me, those are not. So if you want somebody who's perky and bubbly, keep on walking. Because that's not me. I'm a lot of things, not those two things. But there are so many people who want to be either in a relationship just with anybody or with this particular person and they know they're supposed to be this way so they try it but they can't because it's not absolutely. who they are absolutely and and again if a person if a person knows what he or she is knows what they can offer knows what they want in the world they can do a pretty good emotional a math problem and figure uh-huh. out their marketability if they're well. willing to face it you know, yeah, that they're in. But have a lot of dates. <laughs> Go to a, a, a town that has six more men than women. You know that you're going to have people waiting in right. line. But you have to you kind of have to carefully and with a huge amount of heroism and courage face right. what your options actually are, age wise, whatever you look like, whatever you are, whatever you bring to the table. And men. Oh, Randy, 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 you're talking about things people just refuse to do. <laughs> well, you know, I, guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm with the loving heart. I'm extremely hard on people saying, you know, you're going to have a much better chance, much better chance oh. of attaining happiness oh. in your life if you're realistic about who you want, what you want, and what you have to... You know, Lori Gottlieb wrote, oh. wrote this wonderful book, what, six, seven years ago, called Marrying Mr. Good Enough. I read mm-hmm. this book, but after going on many, many dates with, you know, men with bow ties, and with, uh, she, she finally went to this wonderful guru in Beverly Hills, and he said, well, tell me what you want. And so she kept going down this long list, and he said, well, that's one-tenth of one percent of men, so you would right. be one-tenth of one percent of women in order to, you know, to send out the beam for that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And he said, so I think we should start cutting back and looking. And she just did it in such an adorable way. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, but I do it in a more serious way. It's like, look, well, you want to be successful. You want to really love and be loved. And you don't want to live your life as an imposter. You don't want to live your life pretending. You don't want to have to make excuses. You don't want to over and over again be caught in those excuses till somebody's lost complete trust in you because they don't believe you anymore. How right. heartbreaking that is. What if they would have loved you as you are? Well, and that's the hard part because a lot of us don't love ourselves as we are. But anyway, this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking to fellow marriage counselor, Dr. Randy Gunther, about the problems caused when partners don't keep their promises to each other. And if this is happening in your relationship, I encourage you to take action now before the damage gets any worse. I invite you to give me a call or shoot me an email and take advantage of my free no-obligation Create Your Happily Ever after marriage breakthrough session, you can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. Or you can reach me on by phone at 919-924-0463. And now back to this conversation about not keeping your promises and losing trust. And number four is a biggie. 
and I run into this all the time, the fear of saying no, which yeah. goes back to what we were talking about right before the break about being authentic and okay with who you are because when you are, you can say no. You can say, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. And, and if you've said that from the beginning of a relationship, you know, saying to your partner, look, these are the things that I, I would give you freely and with love. These are the things I would need to negotiate. These are the things that I want something back for. And these are the things that I absolutely couldn't do. They go against my integrity. I can't do that as a person. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that at the very beginning of a relationship, you're not going to be living in terrible fear of being exposed. And so what you do, you're so afraid to say no or to not do something. You, know, you, you, you get into these obligatory sort of self-blackmail places where you're terrified that if you finally say who you really are, the person is absolutely not going to accept you. And you're right. terrified of losing the relationship or being abandoned in some way or being seen as a person who has not been honest, that you continue to maintain this ruse. Or not, not, or, understand, not understanding that it's costing you and it's costing Well, and that's... And that's the important thing. And one of the things is, or that you were never allowed to voice your own opinion growing up. And that's really where I see a lot of damage that, you know, and it is, it's the fear of the abandonment or the fear of not being good enough. And we learn these things at a really early age. I was just talking to somebody the other day. And, you know, his wife did just this. She would say, consistently say, fine, fine, everything's fine. I mean, and he, he's actually a very good communicator. And, you know, so he would, they, he said, we'd have these, you know, long conversations. And so he'd say, and so he would say to her, so everything's good, we're fine. And she'd say yes. And then she dropped the bombshell, you know, that she wanted a divorce. And he's like, well, wait, you know, because she could never, ever growing up admit her own feelings or whatever because there was her mother's way and that you, and, and you there were didn't... negative consequences when she grew exactly. up exactly to be honest most children start off being relatively straightforward and honest oh sure and they they learn well that didn't work so I have well and funny no, right funny you should say that because my son was probably four or five okay. no he must have been in school so maybe he was in kindergarten but anyway my husband asked him you know, basically said, did you do your homework? And he knew that the right answer was yes. Or no, he, he, I don't think he was old enough to be in school, but it was like, did you do, you know, did you do something? Sure, did and he knew something? that the answer, the correct answer was yes. And, and so that's what he said to my husband. And my, and my husband says, but I knew he didn't do it. I said, then that's not the question you should have asked him. The question you should have asked him was, why didn't you do X? Well, of course. Or, Not or just setting him, him up. Look, I know you didn't. Right. Didn't do X. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about what what stopped right. you from doing that. You right. Know, so, so that the child doesn't start off, you know, sort of in a corner on a witness stand. Well, a exactly. That's will, will will ask a question they know the answer to, and <gasps> at some later well, age. And spouses and, do and, it too. At some later age, you know, the the child knows that's what you're doing, and they'll sort right. of try to work around that. Kids mm-hmm. become experts at prepositions around, <laughs> you know, over. They really right. get good at that, and so you have to kind of watch them sort of slip out from underneath because you know before about age twelve. Uh, 
a child doesn't really have a thinking mind of his or her own. They do things to either get them what they need or, or keep them from not well, getting what they don't need. And but so they're, what they're it, always but, watching us to see what the right, what the answer will be that will be that will get them what they want. Well, exactly. And what what upset my husband was he came to me and he says he says Drew's lying. And I said, well, technically yes, but no, because he's not at an age where he can actually comprehend it. But he knew what the right answer was, and he didn't want to disappoint you. Well, he, I mean, and, he knew and, and didn't want to deal with the negative consequences. Just right. Like and so that when people are afraid to say no, or afraid to say I didn't, or afraid to say I'm not good enough. I'm afraid to say, you know, this is something that I'm risking that I think you might not like. They will literally right. go along with something. But guess what? If a person they does can't keep it up. they're putting money in a psychological bank that they hope to take money out of, emotional money, at some future point in time. When I need you to understand me, you'll be there. But that bank has a hole in it. Because the person on the other end Absolutely. is not aware of that of, of that particular contract. That's a silent contract that people make out of sort of I'm going to create this fantasy at some point in time when I have to when he is going to find out or she is going to find out they're going to love me so much for all the times I've given in that they won't. Well, be yeah, except it doesn't work that way. No, so bef- yeah, and so I you know, I want to I want to talk about some of the. Um, Ways you talk about ways that some of the damages from breaking a promise can be mitigated. So, you know, what are some of the things that somebody can do if they, you know, if if they have broken a promise? Well, you know, I think we should probably start with the sort of an elephant in the room, which is the biggest broken promise of all, which is infidelity, uh-huh. because it is very, very typical for a man or woman who's who's you know who's found out to do the most you know the most heinously painful of breaching of trust to deny it. Oh, oh, yeah. And to try to flip it over. Well, you know, you're really being too, you're being too pushy. You really don't understand what you're talking about. And so, what the person does is risk that other person's sanity to preserve that their safety. And that Absolutely. that can become literally the second wound, because when you finally do find out the truth, now you've been humiliated for a much longer period of time. So now you have fact you have in fact two sins to deal with, and the Absolutely. second one is sometimes worse than the first. So when when a person finally confronts you and says, you know, you you're just these things are becoming not untruths. I can't even trust you anymore. The first thing you can do and should do is, you know, talk to me more. You're absolutely right. You know, you've got evidence in front of me. There's no way I want to defend. There's no way I want to counter-accuse. This is absolutely 100% true, and I'm really, really, mm-hmm. really sad that I've taken advantage of you this way. You know, the, that that will go so far to neutralize yep. or at least at least take away some of the hurt. You know, the person looks at you and says, whoa. Now, you know, that does that mean we can sort of talk about this? Is this, like, open to inquiry? Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, it does. And then, yeah, and then somebody doesn't have to become, the, the person who is hurt doesn't have to become a prosecutor because the other person is saying, you're right, Absolutely I made this promise, they don't have to and I broke it. But I have this, but I want you to tell me right. the truth. But, well, how come you're avoiding it? You know, they start and literally, literally uh, pleading for their own sanity. Yes, and, and you know, and you it, know, in all the, it's, in it all is. The it's crazy high, making, yeah. Right, in all the hierarchies of development, you know, psychological development, they always say you start with survival and then security, and then you need approval. I'm saying, wait a mm-hmm. minute, wait a minute. Before love and approval, you need to someone to validate your reality. 
it's critically right. important. When someone starts messing with your sanity in order to protect themselves, you get really, really crazy on the other end of that. And anybody will. And children will, too. You know, when you, oh, say, to, when you say to a kid, there's no monsters in the closet. I, I looked <laughs> everywhere. Just go to sleep. And they're going, uh-huh. But, but I, right. You know, but if you say to them, honey, I can't see them, that doesn't mean you don't see them. But, you know, monsters, thank God, Monsters, Inc., you know, can't cross boundaries. They can right. frighten you. So let's draw a picture of the monster because someday you won't be able to see him anymore. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, how whole, that's the whole creation down. of monster spray. Well, you know, they, it's like, they, okay. Yeah. They immediately yeah. calm down. It's because somebody didn't yeah. say you're crazy. Right. Somebody didn't say to them you're crazy. And in order to be loved, you have to adopt a reality that's not yours. Well, that happens in adult relationships as well. You cannot see the world differently than the way you see it until you see it differently. And if somebody else is going to protect his or her sanity by telling you you're crazy, you have a whole new mistrust on your hands. And the longer that goes, the deeper that second wound becomes. So there's some. So other than admitting, admitting and owning your own behavior, what Absolutely. else can somebody do? Uh, you know, and, and the apology of saying, you know, right away mm-hmm. saying to a person and meaning it, not just an offhanded apology. I can right. see that you're wounded. I can see that you're sad. I'm sorry for, for what I've done because I can see what it's done to you. And then you want to ask your partner, you know, are you talking about something that happens all the time? You know, have I been doing this for over a long period of time? And you want to ask your partner, you know, how important is this to you? And is this, is this the tip of an iceberg? Is this reminding uh-huh. you of a childhood trauma like you just talked about, Leslie? Uh-huh. Or is this something that, you know, that's tied to something else? You know, the, the, that I had, you had another thing you were supposed to give me if I did this, and now you feel like you're obligated to give me, but it's not fair. In other words, you want to go into inquiry. You want to get that person to talk more, to, to give more information. Because when you've decided to be there and stand there and listen and validate another person's reality, you make hundreds of points by not having to defend or, uh, or invalidate that. Well, and, it's, and, and here's the thing that I think people miss is that by honoring your reality, it doesn't diminish or mean that mine isn't just as real. And I think this is where people, right. people get so spun out by the fact that their partner views the world differently than they do, which, I mean, to me, that's, uh, you know, maybe this is my gift. I don't know, because to me, that's a, that's a duh kind of thing. Of course, we all view the world differently, but it's very hard for people to acknowledge somebody else's perspective. I mean, we're dealing with that right now all over the world. Of course. Um, you know, the, the fact that, that, that this thing means something to you where it doesn't matter to me, and if we can be curious and open and validating about that, then I think we're all going to be in much better places. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Not only that, when people are open and listen much more deeply, they sometimes come to a place of agreement. Well, exactly, because because they can find that common ground. And, you know, this is, gosh, this is just a fantastic conversation. So anything else about um, mitigating Well, you know, if, I could, if, I, could, if I could give people a, like, like one sound bite, it would be, you know, promise less than you can deliver and deliver more <laughs> than you promise. So, for instance, if you're, if you're late, you know, and the person's, it's always 15, 20, tell a person you're going to be home later and come home early. Right. You know, it, 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 it sounds deceptively simple, but it actually works. Right. And, you know, I mean, and a lot of these things, and I tell people about having a good relationships, that these concepts are relatively simple. They're not always easy to implement. But, 
you know, part of it's like you said, it's like try to put yourself in the other person's position. Right. And, right. and by the way, if you, you always start off when you want to change any behavior with doing the simplest thing first. Because if that's really what's wrong, <clears throat> like I, mm-hmm. had, I was dealing with a couple where this man had, had the kind of work schedule that he never knew when he was going to get home. And mm-hmm. so, you know, his, his wife didn't like to leave the door open because she grew up in New York where it was very unsafe. So she'd mm-hmm. lock it and he would always forget his keys. So he could wake her up anywhere from 7 at night to 2 in the morning. And so I said to them, well, can you put a, kind of a lockbox on the front of the door? You know, and, and that worked because that what was an the answer. only problem. Right. But, it, but, it, but yeah, in fact, he was being <laughs> aggressive or, in fact, he was, God forbid, having mm-hmm. an affair or, or, in fact, he was getting back at her for not being waking, waiting up, whatever. If he had nefarious reasons or an agenda, that would not have worked. Right. So you start with the simple. Oh, I love and, it. And when you start with something simple, sometimes the deeper issues can then emerge. Well, that's why I always tell people, I said, you know, right, if – if I'm still upset about something, um, you know, days later or weeks later, then it isn't really about, you know, the dish right, yeah, on the and sink it you or the whatever. It takes her to dig that out. Or if you did yeah. that too quickly or make that the issue, you never get to the real driver or the real right. driver. Right. So, Randy, where can people find out more? Because I, I know you write all the time. Yeah, um, And you've got some great information. So where can people find out more about you, more about, you know, how you help people? All right, I've written about 130 articles for Psychology Day in the last four years, and you can get to all of those on the icon on my website, which is Randy Gunther, that's with an I, R-A-N-D-I-G-U-N-T-H-E-R.com. You can do that. You can also, anyone is absolutely uh, welcome to contact me on my website, which is Randy Gunther at Cox.net. When I have the time, I'm delighted to do personal responses. I can't give a lot of advice. Number one, you can't do that. In the right. <laughs> but also, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but I will always listen, and I'm glad to listen. And on my website, it also talks about some of the new projects I'm doing, a couple of books I've written, and a little bit about my philosophy, about who I am, about what I do, and why I do what I do. And, you know, I went back to school in my 30s because I, in, when, when I grew up, I put my oh, husband like through <laughs> school and through his master's degree. And then I went back myself later on for nine years with three kids at home, uh, you know, getting all these four different degrees. And then I've now had over 100,000 hours of experience. And all I can tell you from that is that the So privilege, you know what you're talking about. Well, the privilege of being let into people's hearts and the it sacred is. places of their life never ceases to fill me with awe yeah, because, it, it, because it, it is so unbelievably privileged to do that. And in today's world, therapy has become almost, almost a reason for people to have someone genuinely listen because that particular capability we're losing relatively quickly with the media. It is. And so, you know, well, when people sit down and they say, oh, my God, you actually heard me. And I'm yeah. saying how sad that's not happening elsewhere. Right. And, you know, and I, and I love what you talk about because, for me, I am always so very honored um, by the trust that people place in me when they walk through my door. And as we've been talking about today, you know, trust is essential for any successful relationship. Absolutely. And, by the way, and, people, you know, people can renegotiate. I mean, people don't understand you can revisit. Look, this is the way I was before. Right. I've emerged or I've changed or I've transformed or my needs have changed. And I need to take that altar place we knelt in parallel to initially, okay. and I need to redefine it. So right. So that, that you can trust me. 
said, I'm right. not the person I was before. And if people aren't willing, like I said at the beginning of this article, to, to keep that up, to keep up to date. You know, when people lose another person, their greatest grief is what they wish just they'd said or done. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, so by the way, go to go to Randy's website and learn about all these things. And, you know, trust in your marriage. That That's what your marriage is based on. And Absolutely. we talked a little bit before about infidelity and trust can be rebuilt, but it is much easier not to lose it in the first place. So if you make a promise but are about to break it, you may want to pause and figure out why. Absolutely. Yes, it could be difficult to keep it, but the damage done if you don't may be even harder to address. So keep listening to the show. Keep learning about all the things that can make your marriage fantastic. And until next week, stay loving. Oh.